With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Another episode of Ramble with Russell, episode 647 of my podcast, the home of intelligent rambling, right here on the Talk Show Network, and one of the longest running single hosted pop culture podcasts in Ontario. I'm your host, Russell. Welcome to the show as we march into this new year of 2022. And it's been a snowy one so far. The time of this recording, but that is the way it goes. <laughs> a lot to talk about on today's show, including, I love to do these, an interview and review on this very program because i like to get into the behind the scenes and talk to people who make the stuff that i talk to you guys about and today is no exception to that rule so i usually do sometimes a little bit of news at the start of the show but it's nothing really top of my head uh, i want to talk about i'm probably going to forget and then after i record this go ah, i should have talked about this but right now no because so, we've got so much to do to talk about we'll go right into the heart of the matter. Start things off today with a blast to the past, fast, fast, with another Blu-ray review, another retro Blu-ray review of Wade's World. It's party time. It's excellent. 30th anniversary on Steelbook. Hear that? Steelbook. Courtesy of Paramount Home Pictures. We go back and look at what was a huge thing back in the 1990s. <laughs> so, so that's the kickoff. Then we go from, you know, Wayne and Garth to another group, if you will. And this time it's the Adams Family 2 animated on Blu-ray, courtesy of Universal Home Entertainment, where, you know, the, the, the this time the family takes a road trip. I know with these animated features and it's like, well, we've done the first sequel, first movie. Let's do a sequel. Let's put them on the road. So that is going to be on today's show. And as a bonus, I'll talk about the first Adams Family animated movie as well. To kind of tie it all in. Then we go from the spooky Adams family to the brand new uh, movie on Blu-ray that I did talk, I did review not too long ago that came out in theaters. One of the last movies I saw in a theater in 2021, and that is Ghostbusters Afterlife on Blu-ray, courtesy of Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Now I know you think of people, why Russ did not get the big ghost trap? Super Deluxe Extra Collector's Edition thing. I asked, but alas, uh, it's not for me. So you just get my review of the movie, how it looks on video, and the extra features. And there's quite a bit in this. And then we're going to wrap things up with a little bit more spooky. With I said my interview and review with the brand new movie, which is opened up in a theater on February 4th. And that is The, uh, the Long Night. Uh, courtesy of Well Go USA Entertainment. They're nice enough to send me a screener to that movie to watch for you guys. 
And in addition to that, uh, also you'll hear from me, uh, my interview with Rich Ragsdale, who is the director of said film. So that's all in this episode of Ramble with Russell. So I'm going to take a quick little musical interlude right up with the first review of the show. This episode is Wayne's World, the 30th anniversary edition on Steelbook, courtesy of the great folks of Paramount Home Entertainment. Now, full disclosure here, Ramblers, back in the day, I was, you know, I back in the 1990s, and this is back in 1992, I did, that was probably the only time I really kind of watched Saturday Night Live. It was like the 80s, the 90s. Nowadays, you know, I just don't have the time, and I don't really think it's that funny. And back in the 1990s, at the peak of the popularity of Saturday Night Live, for me, my generation, anyway, the, there was a segment on there uh, of, of Wade's World, played by of Wayne and Garth, played by Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. And that little segment, man, it was so, so popular. And there was a time when, I don't know, just maybe people just throw money at Lord Michaels. All these skits, um from Saturday Night Live started becoming movies. Like these characters suddenly got movies. Coneheads got a movie. And then, uh, what is love, baby, don't hurt me. Those dancing guys, a night out, whatever. They got a movie. And all these characters got their own bloody movie. Some of them did really good. Some of them bombed really bad. This was one of the ones that actually did not too, not too bad. And... You know, it's one of those movies. Did I have a picture I would have this in my collection? Did I say, you know, I need a copy of this movie? It's like a must-have. No. But that doesn't say this is a bad movie. I, it's been a while since I've seen it. You know, watch this. And it's so 90s. Like, some movies are so 80s, so 90s. This is so 90s. And, and the humor. And I'm going to tell you, a, a lot of... A lot of a lot, when this was written... It really is a target audience. A lot of young kids are going to watch this and go, this is dumb. Why is this funny? And it really is a movie of the now uh, when it comes to these characters. A lot of the younger generation probably won't get it. Like, a lot of the phraseology that comes from this movie, it, I don't think it's even used by the young kids anymore. Not that I know much. But <laughs> I don't think it is. And so it's, it's, it's a funny little kind of capsule in time now this movie has quite a bit of um guess you know popular people owe the day that started and it's strangely timely that we get this come out you know now because one of the big cameos well semi big cameo this is meatloaf and sadly at the time of this recording i meant to mention at the start of the show the man the myth the legend which was meatloaf canadian too uh, passed away, and and so he had like a little bit of a part in this movie, along with Alice Cooper. Uh, Rob Lowe has a, 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 a more major part, and quite a few little guest cameos in this film. So it's kind of neat to see, you know, that that play out, if you will, in this movie. And it is very much, I mean, these two characters, and uh, you know, I have a little infinity this too because. The, the whole Wayne's world is is them doing like a cable access show in their basement. And for a short time, Ramblers, I worked for community television. Now, did we set up a camera set up in somebody's house and then do it live in somebody's basement? Was that ever a thing when I was in that? No, no, we never did that. 
But it's that kind of um, feel to it, I guess, is there. Also, Tierra Carrera is in this. This is very young, Tia. This is like the very kind of early part of her career in this movie. And man, she's something else. She looks really good. And the soundtrack for this is quite a fun soundtrack. I'd forgotten the, the amount of songs in it. And this movie is one where Tia Carrera can actually sing. And she does some good covers in this. So multi-talented actress. If you were a fan of the, the, the skit back in the day and you go, oh yeah, I remember when they used to do that bit, you know, like right up there with the church lady, then then you'll find this funny. Uh, it, it is a nice little uh, slice of the 1990s. It's These two are very much, it's like, if you like Bill and Ted, you'll like Wayne and Garth. And it's one of those things, imagine they ever do like a crossover because the, the, it's the same kind of gearhead, metalhead, hey, how you doing, man? <laughs> Dude, of, of, of that. So it's very much a movie of its time that way. For extras, not bad for 30th, though, honestly, you know, maybe a, like a two disc edition might have been nice. I think it's a little skip beyond 30, um, 30 years of I it. Mean, where's the time gone? You do get commentary by the director. I like that. I, you know, it's, it's refreshing to see that she does, you know, his commentary in this one. Then you get Wayne World's Extreme Close Up, exclusive cast and crew interviews. Now, cast and crew interviews. Keep in mind, these interviews are from a few years old, right? They're from a while back. You can tell because they're <laughs> a little bit younger. It's a shame for the 30th. Here's what I say Why didn't we have interviews, current interviews with the people that are still around from this movie. You know, like, you know, uh, a you know, more recent one with, with Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Why didn't that get included? You'd think for 30th anniversary, you know, you'd snazz it up a little bit, but no. Uh, I, I don't know why they left that. Now, with the Steelbook, and as I said, Ramblers, I'm just getting into Steelbook. I don't have a lot of them. I don't, I'm not going to be one of these guys that goes, you know, I gotta replace all my regular Blu-ray cases with Steelbook because Steelbook is cool. No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I say this every time I review a Steelbook. I am not gonna be that guy. It is not gonna happen. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. But I do like getting the ones new uh, when I do. And this one is kind of neat in that it all throughout the, the the case of it, right? You know, the front and the back. All quotes from lines from the movie. And some are, are like so dated. And some of them are like, okay, what does that even mean anymore? And, and the one quote, and then they, and they, and, and it's such a true line, even though it said really weird. And, and I will read this verbatim, people. I say hurl. If you blow chunks and she comes back, she's yours. If you spew and she bolts, it was never meant to be. <laughs> Which is true in a way. You know, if, if, if your other half sees you just go, Bleh, I hope you're not eating when I say this, um, and still sticks around, that's a keeper. <laughs> so keep that in mind. So you have nice artwork in the front. In the inside is a nice two shot and like there's a whole space here for their desk and they didn't do it uh when and garth when they did their little montage to laverne and shirley which was nice and, and they shot it in a way it's almost like shot for shot from the old 
TV show. And that's kind of referenced back in the 1990s. You would have got that because it's only been like about 20 years. We're talking, you know, more now, now 30 years, 50 from now when Laverne Shirley aired. So a lot of kids are going to go, what the hell are they doing going Hasafepa Incorporated? Incorporated. But it is is a nice (coughs) nod to that old show. And, of course, that was a Paramount show, so no wonder they did. So that's in it. It it is what it is. It's a nice road trip back. I would have, I think for 30th, there should have been more extras, at least another disc. You have the space. Why don't you do it? Uh, When it comes to it, if you don't, if you don't, you know, if you're looking for like a nice little light comedy, it's not (laughs) too, you know, uh, offensive. It's it's worth checking out. I I I still haven't seen Wayne's World two. I know it didn't do that well because it wasn't a third. But it's 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 a weird little movie. It's very meta. Uh, I mean, you know, long before Deadpool was talking to the camera and talking about fourth world, they did (laughs) a lot in this movie. It was a very lot of like breaking the fourth wall of the wall a lot. And I never realized it so much. I was like, yeah, they really do. Uh, so it's, it's that it's a odd little comedy. Uh, it's, if, if you got it, if you don't own it and you're looking to have it until they make a super deluper, super extra deluxe version of this. Yeah. This is probably the prettiest, nicest copy you'll have for this movie. So that is my take of Wayne's World, the 30th anniversary party on edition steelbook, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Home Entertainment. Yes, I know you're hungry. Ah, and here comes dinner. Oh, be the mind, Frankie. 
Movie review for this episode is Adam's Family 2. Courtesy of Universal Home Entertainment. This, of course, is the sequel to the latest reinterpretation of the Adam's Family that came out in 2019. This came out earlier, well, back sometime last year, 2021. It's so weird to say that last year. So I'm getting used to this year being 2022. And and I didn't get a chance to see neither of these in the theater. And and because the second one came out, I thought, oh, I gotta get catch up the first. <laughs> this is yet another iteration of the Adams family. And I think this one really does pay homage to the more recent live action ones, of course, starring the great Raul Julia as as Gomez. And and you can tell the voice actor, and he'd say that even in the you know extras, kind of really channels that same performance in the over the top of of Gomez. In the first movie, it was very much the the Adams family uh, battling, I guess, a a nosy makeover person who tried to you know make them conform to the rest of society, and it was like her mission to do so, and that was a big battle of it. In this movie, it, it takes a bit of a different turn, and in some ways, after seeing both movies. The second movie is a heck of a lot darker than the first. They really kind of went to places in the second one like, okay, we're going to go there. Now, normally, you know, Adam's family is a little gruesome and a little dark, but I don't know why. In, in, in this second movie, they really kind of umped it, upped it up a level. And, and you know, all the, all the voice actors came back. Same director, too, which, I you know, as I've said, and I'll say time and time again, that is the key to making a successful sequel is bring back the same crew you had before. <laughs> so voice wise, you have, you have, um, you have, uh, Oscar Isaacs is, as, um, Gomez Adams, Charlie Theron as Morticia, uh, Cho Chloe Grace Mort Mor uh, Moritz as good old Wednesday. And then Javon Wana Walton as Pugsley. Good old Nick Kroll as Uncle Faster. <laughs> and Snoop Dogg as the voice of it. And, you know, yeah. 
And then, the, and then, and of course, Bette Midler as the grandmother. And, um, and, um, and now the, the, so in the first movie, the villain, if you will, was, was this, you know, makeover artist who just didn't like, you know, how the Adamses were in the se in the se sequel, uh, Wednesday is starting to question if she truly is an Adams because, you know, she just kind of, you know, questioning her place in the family. And then along comes the, the character of Cyrus Strange, play, voiced by Bill Hader, who really goes down on this, who is a scientist who kind of, I guess, discovers uh, Wednesday at the local science fair at the school where she does this experiment where she combines her little squid's DNA with Uncle Fester. And this little experiment comes to play later on in the movie. And, and she's, and, and to, to take her mind off, off Wednesday, possibly not being an Adams. And, and, and you like, Patricia and Gomez kind of know something, but don't want to admit it. It, it suddenly, it's an Adams family to road trip. And so the whole family goes on this crazy road trip. Their RV, their their camper, is like a small version of their house on wheels, including uh, a, a working fireplace. Not joking. And and so they go on a road trip to try to get away from this man who's trying to pursue, um, catch up to Wednesday to test her genealogy. So that's kind of the whole plot of them going on a road trip. And like I said, at the start of the show, I don't know what it is, these animated features that, that sequels have to go on the road because they did the same thing to one of the Hotel Transylvania movies, right? It was like, okay, we'll set up the universe. Now it's road trip time. And then we got to leave the confines of where we are. <laughs> so it's that. And and there are there are times, like I said, in this movie where it gets, it gets a wee bit dark. Uh, and this is like for an Adams family movie. You're saying, going, all right, <laughs> and, and it is what it is. The music in it is fun though. And now granted, I don't know. I know this has been the first movie there's, and, and this could be the influence of Snoop Dogg as the voice of it, but there's a lot of rap. There's a lot of hip hop more mighty in, in this movie. They're really kind of, it's, 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 so a lot of it is, you know, it's not not my cup of tea music wise. I'm not the target audience music for this movie. Although I they did yet do they did do another retake of, you know, the actual Adams family theme song. And it's well done. I like it. I you know it's 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 still the spirit of the old one, but with a nice kind of twist to it. So the movie is is fun. Uh for a lot there's not a lot of extras. On this one, right? No, no, um, you know, commentary, which would have been nice, or anything, you know, deleted scenes, even, which I thought was kind of weird. You do get uh, We're All Together Adams. It's a nice little featurette where you get to hear, hear and see some of the voice cast that makes the movie. Thought I appreciate, always appreciate that. Courage to be kooky, <laughs> which is, you know, but it's the whole gimmick of the Adams family. And the Adams Family Road Trip Checklist, which is just, you know, a fun little ah, little featurette because they went on the road <laughs> kind of thing. And 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 so it's like the first movie was very much Pugsley-focused, and then the second one is very Wednesday-focused. 
And, you know, in Lurch, I mean, I mean the remake of the Uran gimmick. And at one point, I don't know the first or second one, we find out that Lurch has a really funky singing voice in this. And he does it, uh, I don't know, it's a cover to an old song, I Will Survive. That is kind of neat. Ah, and that so it is a you know a new interpretation, uh, and I, I like it. I think the voice actors do a really good job, um, you know, embodying the characters, and the animation was was you know it's interesting to see them in like three D, but good three D animation, not that stupid Spider Spider Man Spider Verse stuff where it's all over the place. And frankly, I you know I'm one of the few people who didn't like the animation in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> come at me. Uh, fans, but I, and not that I'm not looking forward to the sequel, but oi, it was too much. So you know, it's 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 nicely done. I, I think it, it really explores a lot. There's there's a <laughs> whereas like this second movie is a lot more sci-fi. It's like sci-fi meets spooky in the second one. The first one. There were bit elements up, but this one, boy, is it the sci-fi. And there's an ending sequence that is right out of <laughs> any kind of side monster movie thing. It's really, it's funny the way they go with it. There probably will be a, a third one. If they go on a bloody cruise trip and be like, come on, people, original ideas. I don't know where it's going to go with that. I mean, there's no real hints at it, uh, but it is a, it is a fun you know, it's another wacky little animated adventure. I just think the special features could be a little better on it. So that is my take of Adam's Family 2 on Blu-ray DVD Combo Pack, courtesy of great folks at Universal Home Entertainment.
Blu-ray movie review for this episode is Ghostbusters Afterlife, courtesy of Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Now, of course, if you want to hear my full review of the movie when it came out in theaters in December, go back and listen to that review there. I got to touch on things a little bit here, but mostly this is going to be about getting the the the, the home home video edition and the features there within. So I'm not. If you want a more detail of my impression of seeing that film. Just go back in December and listen there. I'm going to concentrate on just what came with the home video release. Now, yeah, this, as I said, when I reviewed the movie, this was a sequel we should have had and not 2016 movie. And, and I, and I just, I really enjoyed it. And, and I'm really looking forward to a possible sequel down the road. Now for extras for this one, it's not too bad. Uh, when it, when it comes to special features, uh, there is no commentary, Lord mighty on this at all. It's just, you get a good chunk of special features, but you don't get any commentary on it, which I think is, you think with the Reitmans, they would have done that, right? They would have put some kind of commentary, but they don't. So in, in the, um, Video, home video release, you get We Got One and Easter Eggs Revealed. This is all the Easter eggs in the movie. Some of them I did spot, some of them I didn't spot. So, fully on the ones you, you did. Ghostbusters will look back. This is, now, this is where special features get interesting in this set. And this is why I want to review about this. And uh, is they do Ghostbusters look back, right? So they're talking about the 84 and 89 movie. Nowhere, especially in this, this segment, at all, do they ever refer to the 2016 answer to the call? Nope. It is not part of the discussion at all. They talk about 84 and 89 with a lot of reverence, but, oh, and by the way, in between the lists of the movie, you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it just, it, man, it gets no love here and, and doesn't surprise me too much. You also get so a look back and a look ahead. They talk about the previous two movies and they talk about what's to come. Or the hints at it, because boy, they were in. 
then bringing uh, Ecto-1 back to life, uh, which is just, you know, bringing the car back to the screen, although probably part of that was done in 2016. Uh, the the uh, Gearheads Guide to Ghostbusters Gadgets, a cute little featurette. We just talked about the different gadgets that get used within the show. <laughs> There's no, no mention about the gadgets that are used in 2016. Nope. Uh, special effects, the Ghosts of Afterlife. This is cool how they talk about the different ghosts and how they did them. I would have liked to have seen a little more in depth than how they did it, but still, it is what it is. I get deleted scene. Is it ever too late? This is a nice deleted scene. I don't know why they cut it out of this movie, but it's a nice character, a nice extra scene for any pods, which they should have left in. And summoning the spirit, make uh, the making of Ghostbusters Afterlife. This is a nice little feature. All of them are there. They're not as long as they could be. And I still keep thinking that that a lot of these features that you know the standard Blu-ray edition DVD combo digital. If you don't care about super special features, yeah, this is it. I think a lot there's a lot left, not left on the table, that either is in the 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 big you know, fancy case one or, or it's, you know, it, it's kind of like, here's, here's the, the basic ones we can do for you, but we're not going to, you know, go all nuts for it. you. You really want all nuts. You got to buy the special ghost trap edition, which at the time of this recording, my friends and neighbors, if you, did not get a copy of that. You didn't special order it. You are S on the O on the L. You'll have to get that in the secondary market because Sony, at the time of this recording, is not going to reprint any more copies of it. It was meant to be limited edition. And when they limited, they mean limited uh, when it comes to that. And that's, I don't know, that's a shame. Uh, you, know, I, you would think <clears throat> that there's... Money to me, but you mark my words, Ramblers. They say that now. <laughs> Let's scroll forward a few months till December. <sighs> when more snow falls again. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to call it. <clears throat> I'm going to call it right now. Right time of this show. Wouldn't surprise me. In the least. If come Christmas time 2022. That... <clears throat> that they don't release this again just in time for the holiday season. You watch. Just, I'm, I'm going to call it now. And if they do, and if I get a copy of it, I'll talk about it. What it basically is, and I did see another reviewer review it, so at least I have an idea what it looks like, because I don't even see it in the shelves. It, it is, if you're looking for like a, a, um, <clears throat> a really e extensive look, at the first two movies. Yeah, this is a gorgeous set to get that. And, and, you know, and if you haven't gotten them before, because, you know, those extras do actually have commentary. Whereas the new movie doesn't. Aye. And a lot of rare and stuff that maybe you didn't get in previous releases. I have bought Ghostbusters on multiple occasions. So I have probably some of these extras, but maybe not all of them. So th it's out there. I saw it. It's got a cute little light that opens up. I can't, I won't get a complete, complete review because, you know, there's a lot of great extras in it, but I have to watch it to like, you know, talk about it. But it's out there. If you're lucky enough to get one, 
points to you. If not, eh, c'est la vie. Uh, that, that is all it's wrote. Overall, it's, I was hoping for more with, 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 um, with the home video release, at least for the Blu-ray DVD combat, but, but it is what it is. You, you also notice that the, the Blu-ray DVD combo pack cover and the 4K cover are two completely different covers. So if you're a real cover fanatic, you know, you can go and get that. Oh, this guy's, like I said, when I reviewed the movie, it's a fun movie. I think it's the sequel we we're all waiting for. A lot of quotes and boxes. I'll read them to you. Perfect by Johnny Oklensky. I'm probably saying that wrong. New York Post. A new classic by Sarah Beth Bullock of Cultures. And yeah, I'd say it is definitely worthy of it. And yeah. It's it is a fun movie and worth checking out if you are a fan of the film films. What I want to point out, and you know I love pointing this out, Ramblers. The the French translation, and y'all in the states are not going to get this. It, it is SOS Phantoms Lo de la, which doesn't translate into Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh man, it, it it doesn't. I I don't know why Ghostbusters SOS Phantoms because that essentially help ghosts. <laughs> SOS is help, uh, and Lo Dula is not afterlife. <laughs> That's not how you say afterlife in French. This I don't know why they gotta change things. So for all you people who are saying like <laughs> you're saying like okay Russ if 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 that's not that right if 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 that is not you know what it is then what is it what is lo de la well you know i i like to do the work for you people <laughs> so I I looked this up because, dang it, that's what I do, people. I look things up because you don't have to. And, and, and I, you know, I, I want some marketing person to tell me why they do that. It's like, it's not like they change in Espanol, you know, like. But for all you who are wondering, because this is the shtick I do. La... Uh, lo, lo, S L apostrophe A U and then D E L A is beyond. So really, French translation is Ghostbusters. Oh, help ghosts beyond, which technically is the afterlife. But you know, if if we want to switch it, we want to say, you know, what is afterlife? In, in what is it in French? It really should be, and. It should be vie après la mort, which technically is after death. So life after death. So if you really want to probably translate this, it should be <laughs> SOS Phantoms vie après la mort. So life after death, which is essentially after life. <laughs> Why... Why it's SOS Phantoms 
is beyond me. Because if we just do Ghostbusters, I know this is riveting for you people. It really is Chasseur du Fantômes. So if you be Chasseur, which is Ghost Chasers, <laughs> which originally was going to be the name of this, and then they changed it. Ay. So, so if we, if we want to be literal, literal, it should be chasseurs de fantômes appelés de la mort. If if you want to be completely technical, and just for fun, then, <laughs> but if you type in SOS fantômes in French, it actually comes out Ghostbusters. So there is the wonderful language lesson for you all, and that doesn't make a lot of sense. So it should be Ghostbusters vi <laughs> de la mort and not de la so it's I'm pretty sure it's not Ghostbusters Beyond but hey maybe it will be one day so there you go there's a little French lesson I like to give people because I'm in Canada and I can't do so so that is my take of Ghostbusters Afterlife or SOS Phantoms Lo de la which doesn't make a lot of sense on the Blu-ray DVD combo back courtesy of the right folks at Sony Pictures Home Entertainment When I die, let the wolves enjoy my bones When I die, let me go When I die, let the wolves enjoy my bones When I die, let me go
My guest on the show this week is not only the director of a brand new movie hitting the theater near you, The Long Night, but also was involved in one of my favorite kind of cult movies of a few years ago, Eight Later Freaks. Welcome to the show, director Rich Ragsdale. Thank you for having me. What made you want to direct this movie? But I liked the basic premise. I've always liked these kind of culty things, not like home invasion movies. And so they let us kind of rework the script as we were shooting the film. It was a lot of fun. And this movie looked like it involved a lot of night shooting. I always hear from directors and actors who really don't like shooting at night. How much this was a challenge for you? I mean, night shoots are challenging. Fortunately, we had a fairly centralized location, so we weren't moving around a lot. It wasn't that hard to to go from days to nights, you know. Uh, but, you know, yes, night shoots are always a challenge, you know. One of the key elements I always thought in horror movies over the years has been the music. This goes back, you know, to the 80s movies like Halloween and Friday the 13th. And I was just watching the new Halloween Kills movie with John Carpenter. And that, you know, that music of dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And the diddling incidental, that always, you know, gets to me to this day. What kind of consideration do you go into and in make putting music into this movie? Well, you know, I, I began my career as a composer. So yeah, when, you know, like I, I, I value music and I, I appreciate how important it is. And like you said, like John Carpenter's music for Halloween, and yeah, he was always, he's always been a big hero of mine. And while I almost always score my own projects, this one, the bulk of the music was written by Sherry Chung. It was just like a really hard project to finish in COVID and all that. And she's a fantastic composer. And my my sensibilities tend to run pretty weird. Hers are very kind of like Hollywood, if, if the, for lack of a better term. I mean, she's a talented composer and doing very well. But uh, so I think that, you know, when we sort of combined my sensibilities and hers, and it kind of made something better than maybe what either one of us would have done on our own. While the music in the movie is mostly orchestral for the whole film, there are a couple of songs that you chose to put in this movie. And I'm wondering, what was the thought behind choosing these two particular songs? Well, the two featured songs, one is written by a friend of mine, Peter uh, Adams, and he had a group called Down, by, Down Like Silver. And so that opening montage where they're driving in the car yeah. is kind of like alt country, really sad. I mean, I've just loved that song for forever. So when we were editing, I was like, I know Peter... It's like we can probably get this song. Yeah, Jogging is uh, by Jane Herships, who um, has a group called Spider. She's based in New York. I've never met her, but I actually came across her music years ago, and I just loved it. And again, it was kind of, I've been sort of waiting for the right project to try and use her music. And in, in that scene, you know, there's this kind of melancholiness where their relationship's a little rocky, but kind of trying to get their footing back. And the song just does all this heavy lifting. And, and I think maybe the scene is a little long by traditional movie standards, but I love the song so much. I wanted to live in that song for a while. No, I don't blame you. It's a mood setter. And that's what you want to start a movie. And the Wolves one, it's so haunting. It really sets up, yeah, you know, not good things are going to happen to these people. I'm sorry. You know, if you're looking for rainbows and sunshine. It's not going to happen for them. Yeah, and the lyrics have that almost kind of Southern Gothic kind of quality. You know, there's like this the kind of like morose quality, a lot of like Southern like lyric song, you know, and so it, it has that kind of quality, you know, and I think that dovetails well with the theme of the movie. So yeah, after that point, in the movie things go horribly, horribly wrong. And it's one of those, you know, classic tropes in horror movies where it's like, you know, maybe we shouldn't have gone on that trip and maybe we should just left things alone and gone on with our lives. Well, you don't know till you get there. 
Yeah, that's true. You know, because as audience, you're going, okay. Yeah, no. And the casting is really good. With Scout, uh, was it a performance based on the Rob Zombie remakes of, of Halloween that caught your attention? Yes. I mean, I'd made one other feature with Scout before, right. and we, this movie we made in Thailand. And But we had cast her in that specifically because we liked her in the Rob Zombie movies. And we had had this whole list of actresses that we were kind of like our wish list, but she was number one on the list. And our casting director is a mutual friend with Scout. Uh-huh. And, and she was like, oh, I know Scout. She just called her and set up a meeting and I don't think we met any other actresses on that on that movie. So it just and she was so good that like when when they hired me to do this movie, you know, it was all very last minute. And right. I was like, let's get Scout, you know, because I knew she would be like rock solid. Right. And she was actually at a convention, a horror convention <laughs> in England, fly from England to South Carolina to make the movie. So that's a really cool story. So once you found her, you know, the challenge was, you know, what male can we put against her that's going to work? How much of a challenge was that? Uh, well, you know, it was a challenge just because our, our casting period was super compressed. And right. uh, Nolan, again, was like, he was a recommendation from the same casting director. Uh-huh. And I'd never worked with him before, but Scout had worked with him on one film like right. a, a long time ago. And, you know, they, they, he just came highly recommended and, and I watched his stuff and I was like, oh, this guy, he's good looking. He's a good actor. Yeah. You know, like you would believe that these guys could be a couple. Uh, and he came out and actually the, the funny thing was that like he and Scout sort of knew each other peripherally, but by the end of the film, it's like they were like best friends. They still are. Well, if you look at what they go through in this movie, it doesn't surprise me in the least. I mean, it's quite a journey. And, you know, they are the main protagonists, but you got a guy. You know, I, I was impressed by this because I've been a long time fan of this guy. And when he showed up and lost, I was like, here we go. So Jeff Fahey, you know, he's only there for a little short period. But I was like, dang, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. And uh, how, how busy was it to catch him these days? I, I assume he's very busy, you know, like we got, we got kind of, we sort of worked his uh, shoot days into our schedule based on his availability. But I mean, like you, I'm, I'm in a, I'm a fan, you know, and I was just like, they were like, well, how about Jeff Fahey? Uh, and I was just like, uh, 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 can we get him? You know? <laughs> so yeah, I know. It's like, it's like he, came, he came out and he did it and he is like the consummate pro, you know, it's just oh, like, yeah. I mean, it was it was a real joy to work with him because he's just like nonstop. He's like a machine. I remember him, the Lawnmower Man. Now that's that's your horror classic. Body parts, you know. Although the sequel to Lawnmower Man didn't do so well, no, you know, but... going to the well too many times. Another part of the casting that was interesting is that you know a lot of the cast is in robes and their faces are pretty much you know not seen. And so I'm like, curious when you got to casting. It's like you're going, okay, I have a part in the movie, but you're pretty much not going to be seen at all face-wise, and you're going to have to stand around at night, you know, in these weird kind of robes, and then look intimidating. There's your role. Well, you know, in, in true low-budget movie fashion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a lot of times the guys in the robes were guys that worked on the film, and they would actually kind of argue over, like, who would get <laughs> to do it that night. They'd be like, no, no, I want, I want to be in a robe. Tonight. Yeah, I want to be like the <laughs> Bram Skull guy. And, you know, some of them were the stunt. Any ones that had the sort of more physical yeah. stuff uh, were the gesturing and the kind of, like, acting tough and all that. It was like our stunt guys or our, yeah. like, um, 
you, you know, uh, guys who were maybe a little, a couple of the guys on the film were veterans, so they were pretty tough, you know, oh, so okay. yeah, those guys yeah. come out. And then uh, kind of my, my man Friday on the movie was this guy named Rocco Bovo, who right. he would just, he loved, I mean, it was like, he was living for it every day. He was just like, come <laughs> on, throw, put me in coach. <laughs> I can see them watching this with family and friends. You know, I was a hooded guy. You know, right, right there. That that was me. I was the role. I was yeah. Like, I read the book Relic. You know, I was pleased. Like, don't make this a happy ending. Because in the book, it's a horrible ending for these people. They make a really bad decision going there. And then when I saw the movie, I thought, thank you. You know, you didn't make it a happy ending. You did make some characters escape. You know, because I hate when the, the whole point of the story was there's no happy ending. You know, people you know mess up and they die, and then the cycle continues, and that's a bold decision to make when it comes to filmmaking. Well, you know, my last film, the one that I made in Thailand, which was with Scout, was called Ghost House, and it had a bit more of sort of a happy ending. So I thought I would like try something different this time. It's like, no, let's 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 be a little bleaker here. Yeah, not every movie has to have a happy ending. People, yeah, come on. Well, like one of my favorite horror films is uh, John Carpenter. Back to John Carpenter is the <laughs> thing. Maybe the bleakest ending of any movie I've ever seen. I mean, it's just so... Yeah, because these people go through you know, so much horrific things. It's just... And it's like, maybe they'll pull out. Maybe they'll be okay. And then, no, sorry. Yeah. Aliens are more resilient. Uh, one other cast member who I really loved is... It's, he's in the beginning of the film is uh, the guy that plays the gas station attendant, who is my brother. Uh, <laughs> And uh, he's a very good actor, and he was hilarious in it. We grew up in the South, so it was kind of the role he was born to play. I don't ever seen the edit for Alien, where they show the fate of the crew. Mm. Yeah, because in the original, they're taken away. You don't know what happens to them. But in the director's cut, it's like, oh, man. You, you kind of figured it was going to go to bad. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that they kind of leave that in the original film. They yeah. sort of left it up to your imagination, because it's almost more horrible than anything. They're yeah, to think of where they went. Now, is there a sequel in mind? Because, boy, does it set it up. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, we'll see how it does. If it does well and, and everybody involved is amenable to it, I mean, I'm down. You know, sign me up. What is a marker for doing well? Because usually, you know, with TV shows, it's like a rating and it gets renewed. And movies, it can be, you know, a certain amount of money. Yeah, I mean, I assume it's like if everybody makes their money back and then some you know and the film maybe you know takes on sort of some popularity among the the you know the the horror fans uh i imagine that that would be uh a, a, you know but it, it's really yeah basically has to do with how well it does financially i think you know do you have any ideas of what you'd like to see in a sequel and where you'd like to go with it N nothing set in stone there's like an infinite world of possibilities so you know if you could get scout to do it again i mean you put her through the ringer in it well, that, that's one of the things that I like about Scout is that she's she's a very sweet and like you know caring person, but she's also very tough. You know, it, well, you have to be. So she did. She's not. She's not a coarse person, but she's very very tough. You know, she does all like a lot of her own physical stuff, a lot of her stunts, and and like I had her like running around barefoot in the woods. Yeah. Like, movie, you know, and and it's just you know there's like. On this property in South Carolina, there's like snakes and alligators yeah. in the middle of the night. You can't see anything. She's just like freaking out. But, you know, but she never, never would, you know, give me a hard time about any of it. You know, how did you do the whole floating in the air 
trick because you know that really impressed me it was basically i mean it was very lo-fi because it's again it's not like a huge budgeted film so it was like we had a big crane kind of uh thing that where they ran wires from it down actually attached to the house and then they attached another set of wires it's like a pulley system where they could like they could you know yank her up in the air and she would float and then you paint the wires out in post See, that amazes me in the movie industry, how you can just paint stuff out. I see behind the scenes, and there's all this rigging and cars and chase scenes. And you watch it, and you go, how did you paint that out? Because you had it on when it was happening. But, you know, I think it's a, I mean, it, it, I, I really uh, wanted to, to do something like that in this film. Because I've, I've always thought that, like, people sort of involuntarily levitating and stuff is, uh, is a very kind of scary. It's a classic horror trope. You know, it goes back to The Exorcist, really. Really. Exorcist, total. I mean, it's probably where I, you know, where I got my love for the, the gag, you know. Yeah, if you're a horror fan, you're not seeing The Exorcist. Where have you been? It's a classic. I mean, it's it's one of the greats. You know, it's like top five all time. Oh yeah, absolutely, and still holds today. I challenge anybody to say it has aged badly. Yeah, it's a, it's a masterpiece. It really <laughs> yeah. is. Oh yeah, absolutely, and still holds today. I challenge anybody to say it has aged badly. It's funny with horror movies. You know, the first one is good, but the sequels can be hit and miss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought the third Exorcist movie actually was really great, you know. But yeah. The, it's just, the second one was just like, oh, I mean, like, I, I think it was that, like, too much cocaine in the 70s kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've always maintained with movies, the key to making a good sequel is bringing back the same actors and actresses yeah. and try to bring back the same director and producer. Mm-hmm. No, because when you want to recreate success, you got to bring back the same crew you had before. I, I agree. And I mean, you know, like, look, I mean, mo- making movies is really, really hard. And, you know, making a really like a great movie is it's like lightning in a bottle It's very ho- I mean, I think it's I mean, that's the problem with sequels is very hard to recapture something that happens in a very specific. Right. When you something different. But, you know, you want to hit the same markers that made the first one a success. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a balancing act. So what's the next project you have coming up for you? Well, you know, we've, we've discussed doing a, a sequel to, we actually have a script for uh, a sequel to my last film before this one called Ghost House. This mm-hmm. is the one we did in Thailand. It, it especially internationally, did very, very well for us. So it's like, it's a movie we would, and we love Thailand, so we would like to go right. back and make another one. Um, and we have a, a stack of other scripts that we would like to do. So it's just kind of, I'm waiting to sort of see how this film does. And then we'll start pitching these things and see what we can get made. I know Hollywood shut down a little bit because of the pandemic. I'm glad though everyone's finding a way around it. Yeah. It's film, but film safely. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, we'll see, man. You know, it's like everything <laughs> seems to be coming back to normal. We've just we've been shooting some music videos for these artists and stuff. And so it seems like everything is, you know, there's a production going on. So it's a pleasure to talk to you. I hope when this comes out in video, you do audio commentary. I love when directors do audio commentary. Not enough of them do it. We uh, have already recorded it. Excellent. I love to hear that. And I did a thing where it was like, like it was like the commentary is me, the writer and the editor, because I feel like you know like that's like what just shapes the movie and so it was like very rarely to get to hear from everybody you know so hopefully people find it interesting i think it's great you know too many big directors don't even do commentary and it's more the independent ones that do it and i think it's great you know more insight on how movies made than just a little five minute featurette you know you want to it's nice to hear from the people who actually make it 
and, you know, have it more than just a five minute discussion. You know, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, like, I used to listen to all of those commentaries when they would put them out, you know, and it's uh, you can learn a lot from them, actually. They're very informative. I encourage it. I wish it was more of a thing for movies and TV shows. They should give you an option on Netflix and all that, too, you know, so. Yeah, it's a lost art that too many people don't pay attention to anymore. It's just time to bring it back. I'm all for it. I would spearhead it if I could. Yeah. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I look forward to the next thing you bring to the table. I agree. And thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. A dream
theatrical movie review for this episode is The Long Night, courtesy of Well Go USA Entertainment. Now, big thanks goes out to Well Go and the great folks at Terrell PR for getting me an interview with Rich Ragsdale. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to talk to me. And now we're going to talk about that said movie. Now, you know, Ramblers, I love a good spooky movie. It's well on record. I'm doing the show, you know, 15 plus years now, and I've reviewed a heck of a lot of spooky movies in my time. And this film, man, it is just it's not one of these good kind of creepy movies. And as I talk to the director that you just heard, it's one of those ones I always like a, a good spooky film. And this had a nice kind of combination of of kind of like old school horror and, and a nice little twist to it. The story revolves around a nice young couple who, um, who the female of the couple, couple uh, inherits, is trying to delve into her, her family history. And it's one of these horror movie tropes where it's like, you know, curiosity isn't always a good thing. And this movie is no exception. So she's trying, you know, trying to figure out her past. And this movie stars a, you know, a, an actress who actually was recently in the Rob Zombie horror um, Halloween remakes that were done back in 2007-2008. And so she has a good, you know, kind of screen potential. So it's her and her, and her boyfriend, and she's kind of poking into her past and finds out that there's this, like, family little place out in the country. This, you know, big sign right there. And so her and her boyfriend say, or boyfriend or husband or something, they they go out to this, you know, place to check it out. And as always with any kind of horror movie, maybe I should have stayed home. And the music in this film is really good. Like I said, with the director, I really liked the atmosphere it's it set for it. And, and thanks, thanks to him. I have, you know, you'll hear, can I say you heard a sample of it before the movie? for this segment and, and, and another one, you know, um, I, I, I've earlier in, in the show and the music really sets the atmosphere for the film. And I love like the song you're going to hear from the, in this episode, the wolves one and the other one are, are, are really, it's like a good atmosphere. It, it's, it's a really, spooky movie and it sets the tone like this lyrics so you have those two songs but the rest of it is all instrumental and it's like and it's really spooky and i like spooky in this your main lead in this is scout taylor compton who plays grace and then her kind of boyfriend you know, significant other is Nolan Gerald Funk, who plays Jack. And so they go to this cabin to, to check things out. And things go from bad to worse pretty quickly. So like one point in the movie, like in any horror movie, it's like, you know, things are getting kind of weird. Maybe we should like, you know, scoot magoots. And <laughs> yeah, they live to regret that decision. And it's, it's very atmospheric. And even Jeff Fahey gets a brief part in this movie. Good old Jeff Fahey. You know, it was in Lost. He did that cult movie, Lawnmower Man. If you've not seen Lawnmower Man, check it out. The sequel is kind of, don't worry about it. But the first one is a classic. And he's in it, and it, it, it's very ominous 
film. And and this movie, like I said with the director, it does not have a happy ending. And now the movie, one one course correction I want to make with the interview. The movie I, uh, I mentioned was Relic, and that is still a good movie in its own right. But the movie I was thinking of when I was talking to him is The Ruin. Uh, and and that movie and that book and that story is really dark, and it's that same scenario as these people go into something. They probably know they should not do it. There's signs that they should get the bleep out. They don't. They stay, and you know, and it's not all sunshine and roses at the end of the day. And I like that. I like as that director. I like movies that have the courage to go. You know, pfft, screw happy endings. Not everything has signs of a happy ending. And this one, oof, it's very chilling. Like, I would love to watch this with an audience and then heard the audience reaction to the ending because, ooh, I, I want to see what, what they do with it. This movie, if you're thinking of going out to a horror movie in a theater, you know, barring crazy weather patterns and, and pandemic stuff, yeah, honestly, I wish I could have seen this in the theater originally because it's very atmospheric. Now, you know, Ramblers, normally I don't like to see horror movies in the theater because I saw Saw once and I was like, I'm done. But this one, yeah, I, I just just for the audience reactions because there's some certain parts and the ending, like with a full house, oof, I, I'd like to see that. A fun, nice horror movie, truly chilling in it. All points go to to Scout Taylor Compton. There, um, I there was a possibility of interviewing her and Nolan as well, uh, but they got tied up. I'm hoping in a future episode to bring them back on the show and talk to them about this movie and talk about her experience doing horror movies. Keep listening, Ramblers. That's something I'm working on, and hopefully, maybe you know, sometime in the next little bit bring that to you but she has a really good performance in this it is generally spooky (laughs) you know and 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 it has a nice kind of overall feeling of of gloom but you want that in a horror movie and and i'm and i'd love to see where they go with the sequel because the things they set up it's it's certainly worth i think in my opinion pursuing so that is my take of The Long Night at a theater near you. Courtesy great folks at Well Go USA Entertainment. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can check me out a number of ways. You can always check me out on Twitter. I'm at R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Tweet me, I'll tweet you back. I appreciate anybody that follows me on Twitter. And if you follow me, I will follow you on Twitter. As well, check out all new episodes right here on the Talk Show Network. I'm caller ID 18411. You can catch all the new shows here, as well on Spotify and Google Play and many other podcast directories across the world wide web. And if you want to take a little another trip back into the past, 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 <laughs> check out some of my older shows. You can still check out my original home on Libsyn. That's HTTP, full colon, backslash, backslash. Ramblin' Russ, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S, dot Libsyn, that's dot L-I-B-S, as in Sierra, Y as in Yankee, and as in November, dot com. That's Ranger Home Internet, where I have over, geez, like six, seven years or so worth of show from 2006 to 2013, and then from 2013, I was more of a full-time basis 
<laughs> primarily the new shows were here on TalkShoe. And, and you can also check out older shows as well by going into iTunes and typing, searching for my show there. And of course, on many other directories across the podcast directories across the world wide web, search them out there. That is all the new stuff to talk about on the day show. Lots coming up in the near future. Some things on the docket. You will get uh, another return to the Arrowverse or CWverse, whatever you want to call it, with the complete second season of Stargirl on the Blu-ray, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. And yes, Stargirl, not Supergirl season two. That was misquoted by some other reviewer online that I'm not going to say his name, but come on, buddy. So that is coming up. And in a similar kind of family theme, it is my Blu-ray review of Clifford, the big red dog, uh, courtesy of Paramount Home Entertainment. One of my favorite stories as a kid is now a live action animated feature. So that is coming up. In a future episode of the show, and uh, Paramount also sent me the 4K 30th anniversary, another 30th anniversary of the movie Juice, starring good old Omar Epps, Jermaine Hopkins, Khalil Kane, and Tupac Shakur. And that is coming up on a future episode of the show. That's not a movie I talk about, I don't usually get that genre too often, but yeah, I'm gonna. Throw that in. Still working my way through uh, Yellowstone. Hope I'll have the season three review up in the not too distant future. Because season four is, man, it's coming up quick. I gotta get caught up more, and uh, possibly another DK book as well. Got a few of those. Still need to talk about all in future editions of this show. So more stuff on the way, and I also might bring back some more video game reviews too. So that is cool. Uh, I may have mentioned this in the previous show. I don't mention it now. Yes, um, finally, Star Wars, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga has been announced for April 5th. Still working on hopefully getting a copy of that to review from the people who make it. That is still on the um, docket. Although that's one movie ramb one video game ramblers. I'm, I'm serious. If I'm getting sent to be free, I will try to find the monies, get that myself, because oh, I haven't played a really good new Lego game in like forever. And if I do... I'll bring it on the show. I'm still uh, possibly thinking of reviewing um, Halo Infinite, although I am kind of stuck at one point with a boss. If I get past that and end the dang game, the campaign of it anyway, I'll review it on the show. It's just one of these fights where I'm like, I got down like a sliver of health to defeat him. And I was like a sliver of health. And I just, it's like, I have to walk away and then I come back. So... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the future. Uh, I'll talk about the game sometime very soon. So that's all coming up in future reviews on this very program. That is it for me, and we'll catch you next time right here on Ramble Boss. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.